0: Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood. Women in the Bible overcame challenges with courage and faith and can teach us about leadership, character, and strength. Their message for us today with God, all things are possible. We're joined today by Marina Hoffman. She is an expert on women in the Bible. She's also an award winning writer recognized for fresh insights and a positive perspective. She herself also has an amazing story of God rescuing her life after a serious car crash and delivering her from anxiety. Today on Connections, she's going to share that story. She's also going to talk about her new book, Women in the Bible, a small group Bible study. We're going to hear that and so much more today on Connections. We're joined today by author and professor Marina Hoffman. We're going to get around to the book in a little bit, Women in the Bible, Small Group Bible Study. But first of all, you yourself have an absolutely amazing story that needs to be shared because it is one of tragedy, but one of beauty. So tell us a little bit about what happened in your life back in 2014.
1: Yes, we were driving home from a family event about a few hours north of our home in Ontario, coming back from Sudbury, and I had just finished my doctorate and I was really excited for a new chapter of life and a new career to be launched. And out of the blue, someone from the oncoming lane on the highway crossed the line, we don't know what happened, in 30, in just a moment, one or two seconds, He, he drove his car into us and his engine drove into the driver's seat and it would have crushed my husband. Thankfully he had thrown his body over to save me. So we both lived through the experience, but had many injuries to deal with.
0: Tell us a little bit about those injuries because they were significant. They weren't just your typical scratches and bruises. They were really significant injuries.
1: Yes. The most important life-threatening injury was that my bowels had been lacerated in four places. So I was turning septic and almost dead by time we got back to Sudbury in the ambulance. So that was immediate uh, surgery intervention and that was okay. It left a lot of scar tissue that to some degree still bothers me, but the long journey ahead that didn't have a surgery to fix was depression, severe PTSD anxiety. And this went on for a long time. I was really a mess. I had severe amnesia. I couldn't even talk, Colleen. I couldn't even say yes or no without stuttering for two solid months.
0: And you are a scholar. You, you know a lot. You are a very intelligent woman. How did this impact your life and what you were doing in your life?
1: It was devastating Because really my identity in terms of a group of people tended to be the smart one. You know, if we had a question, a little trivia, I was the go-to. This is before everyone Googled everything. So I kind of took a bit of identity in being the smart one. I wasn't the funny one or such. So here my identity was so dramatically changed and in a sense gone I asked myself, who was I? What was I going to do with my life? What was my possibility for the future? I thought I didn't have any future at all.
0: And obviously you did have a future and you've managed to uh, almost overcome everything. Tell us a little bit about where you are in life at this point.
1: Yeah, it was unbelievable. But a year and a half later, I was teaching at a university. And that's not to say at all that I was totally healed. It was more to say how desperate we were. We thought life could not get worse. And I had had this job opportunity before the accident happened. And I told them I had a lot of issues and was struggling. But they didn't really say anything. They just come on. What are you going to start? What's he? so we delayed a year and a half. And then we thought, you know what, we'll just do it. We'll make a life change. Life can't get worse, but it really got better. It was amazing. And in the first few semesters, I had a lot of struggles. I still would forget words and stumble and the fun dynamic that was created is I would mutter to myself oh what's that word and four or five students in the front would just jump up and try and help me teach and find the word so these little weaknesses I had that would creep up several times even in a half an hour really bonded our class so it turned out better than I could have imagined.
0: Now you are the author of a new book. It's called Women in the Bible, Small Group Bible Study. Did this incident help to inspire you to put this together or tell us a little bit about what did inspire you to write this?
1: Entirely. Before the accident, I was studying women in the Bible in academic sense and scholarship. I was publishing articles. But then after the accident, When I revisited these stories, I really saw other dynamics. I realized these women were in situations so much like my own. Desperate. They faced major limitations. In a sense, many of them are broken. And I found such incredible inspiration. And in time, when I got much better and was able to write again, I thought I really want to share these stories with other women because they so encouraged and inspired me.
0: Tell us a little bit about a few maybe of the stories or your favorite story that you share in there that most relates to you.
1: Wow. Let me talk a little bit about the midwives. Some in the audience might not be too familiar because their story is short and a little bit buried in the Old Testament or maybe we don't talk about it as much as we should in the church. But the, the Hebrew babies are under threat When the Pharaoh calls the midwives and tells them to kill all the baby boys. And so what a crisis point for these midwives. These two women have spent their life and their career bringing about children into the world, helping moms, helping babies, bringing life. And now they're commanded to do the very opposite. So what do they do? How do they respond? Well, in a sense, they're totally extraordinary. They're fearless. They decide to defy the Pharaoh's orders. But I think in another fun sense, they just keep doing their job, which is actually something very ordinary and something I can connect with. I don't see myself as fearless and so courageous as them, but I think we can all just keep doing our jobs, keep doing what God called us to over and over, no matter who tries
0: to stop us now when it comes to the bible i think quite often we forget that the women first of all we forget about the women in the bible first of all you know other than the mains. Um, but we also forget how strong uh, these women can be why is it so important to put a spotlight on these women
1: well that's just the point colleen i fully agree they have an inner strength and a commitment to God, a commitment to their faith that can inspire us, but also that we can relate to. And no matter what they face, they keep moving forward. And sometimes they don't see God act right away in their life. Sometimes they wait years, and maybe it's actually decades before they see God intervene for them. But through all that time, they're faithfully committed to God. And I think that's a call and encouragement to all of us.
0: So when you say that, how can stories like that and, and stuff like that help people who, who may have gone through a situation like yours or who may be suffering through something else? Or even right now in the pandemic, there's a lot of people that are just, I don't know what word to use, thrown off um, and are suffering either grief or just uh, this new world of emotions. How will these stories encourage those people?
1: I think the main message is to keep moving forward. And I think of Hannah, she really wanted a child. And I think we can relate to the sense of impossibility in that wish. I mean, we try, but there's a sense in which it's in God's hands and we can't force certain things in our life. So here she is suffering with infertility. And how does she respond? She gives her pain to God. There's beautiful prayer. She pours out her heart. It's just this intimate glimpse we have of her and God in this moment of prayer. So she gives her pain to God. She prays wholeheartedly. And then this phenomenal verse says, then she got up, she ate, and she went on her way. And Colleen, there was no indication at all in that moment. She couldn't have possibly been pregnant in that moment. And yet, what a picture of trusting God. And I've been there even one of the injuries we had, the doctor said we had basically no chance of having a child. There was some ridiculous number, 0.00001. And I thought, you know, this is an impossible situation. What am I going to do? And for me, it was a moment of giving up. And I think a lot of us have felt that way this last year and a half. We've given up. We're not in control but can we give that pain to God? Can we pray wholeheartedly? And then can we get up and go forward trusting God, even before we see God work in our lives?
0: So many people can relate to that in this time. Tell us a little bit about how your book is set up and why you specifically pick that way.
1: Sure, I started off by writing a personal devotion. And I tested it out with a bunch of female leaders actually across Canada that I knew. And they said they loved it so much the insights were great, but they wanted to share it with their small groups with other women in their life with their church. So I went back and added an icebreaker. just a few more questions and set it up so that it can be a small group. So it's very versatile. A person can go through the background, the questions, the reflections, the prayer at the end, individually in their own time, but they can also get a group of friends. And I love that, Colleen. I love the idea of studying community, uh, studying the Bible in community, even if it's just on zoom in our day, we, I think we need community.
0: And I was just going to say that how important is it to be together as a group, because not only is there that connection, but there's that opportunity to maybe learn things or hear stories that we might not have heard if we were just studying this independently.
1: Oh, so true. And, you know, my own life reflects that because when I read the Bible every. Different season in life, I see all new things, but I absolutely love hearing the perspectives of others and This happens every day in my life because I teach Bible at the university, and some of those students they say things that to me are phenomenal, and that might sound crazy right because i 've been mm-hmm. studying the Bible for all these years, and that you you get someone who 's a new Christian or young or just have such a different background than me and they see things so differently. It's a very rich experience.
0: Who are you hoping will pick up this book? Are you wanting women to pick up this book only, or do you want the men as well to pick up this book so that they can learn about how strong women can actually be?
1: You know, it will encourage women for sure. And I think they'll see a whole new aspect to the women in the Bible that they can relate to. And as you said earlier, has not been talked about much in the church. And yet men, if they want to have a stronger and more complete understanding of women's role in God's plan and the things women have accomplished for God in Bible history and what God can do through women today, I think it's so important to study these books and also these stories. And also, you know, I'm thinking of men who want to empower their wives their female friends, their daughters, if they want to empower those women in their life, then they need to know these stories of faith and overcoming by women in the Bible.
0: Now, speaking of those stories too, and you mentioned it a little bit about uh, women's role in the church. What do these women teach us about leadership and, uh, and, and calling?
1: While you bring out a very tough topic, Colleen, very, controversial if we consider the different views and stances that denominations have across Canada on this issue. But let me bring it down to something really simple. The women in the Bible are called by God, and God decides whether he's going to raise them up as a leader or not. And we have story after story of God doing incredible things through the women. And I think sometimes we can have suppositions like, Well, the women don't preach. They're not pastors. We say this about the Bible, but I don't find that true. Story after story. Look at the speeches of the women. They are talking about God, which is making declarations of theology. They're foretelling the future all the time. They have a prophetic voice. Story after story, Colleen. So we can put women in a box and tell them what they can and can't do. But personally, My view of women in ministry is to say, God will call this woman, the Holy Spirit will lead them, and I'm here to support whatever God's call is on their life.
0: What do you hope to see moving forward when it comes to women in ministry?
1: I think a greater voice women in the Bible have incredible things to teach us, but women of faith today have incredible things to teach us too, through their life stories, through the insights that the Holy spirit has spoken to them through their ability to study the Bible and communicate it. And women have influence in our society. They are leaders. So we need to make sure that they are able to use their position as a voice for, the message of Christ.
0: For people who want to learn about your book, want to learn more about you, how can they go about doing that?
1: Well, if they visit the website, womeninthebible.info, then they'll find everything they need. There's also a free video series. There's it's freely accessed. You don't need to give your email or anything else. And so if you want to learn the stories that way, the videos are free. If they want to order the book, learn more about me. And everything is there on at womeninthebible.info.
0: And for the women that are listening to this and think, uh, you know what? I'm just the caregiver. Um, I'm just the one who, you know, loves on people. What would you say to them?
1: There is no just in God's perspective and in God's kingdom. And I think of Hannah and we talked a bit about her story, but if we go beyond her story and look at the life of that child, she prayed for all the things that are evident in Samuel's life and leadership are reflected in Hannah. He is a person of prayer. He is a person that leads by faithfulness, by a faithful example. One item after another. And so just because Hannah only has a small portion at the beginning of the book does not mean she does not have a huge influence. And we can go beyond her son's life to look at all of Israel. We know the story of the Old Testament, right? It's that the Israelites failed time and time again to follow God. How should they have acted? They should have looked at the life of Hannah. So we can even say the hype, the story of Hannah and her example sets the tone for the rest of the entire kingship of the Old Testament. And that's a powerful legacy, even though others may say, oh, she was just a mom. No, there's no just. And we can all have a part in that, just supporting one another, even as women, supporting each other's voice, building each other up, encouraging. It's It's a very... Um, intimidating place to be, maybe especially for women to have a voice in the church. But if God has given you a call to speak, then we can follow that call and know that the Holy Spirit will make a way.
0: Thank you so much for making time for us this morning. We appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Colleen.
0: And thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.